Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of the Ranting Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Brian Paget, here alongside my co-host, Andrew Chodas. Mr. Chodas, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you today? Doing good, you know. How's your, how's your quarantine going? Everything good still? Yeah, we got outside today, you know, played some golf, rode my bike. It was a good day, good day. Beautiful day, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, again... Obviously, still no hockey, but still plenty to talk about. We've got a lot on tap for today. Mm-hmm. Figured since this, uh, since our podcast, you know, was not a uh, in in uh, in form, I guess you could say, uh, during the Rangers season, we figured we'd take a look back at the year and and discuss our thoughts on the unfinished 2019-2020 New York Rangers season. Discuss some awards, things like MVP, Most Improved Player, Surprise Player, Breakout Player, the Calder Trophy for the Best Rookie, the Biggest Disappointment, the Best Game of the Year, and the Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award, along with just some general season chatter. Yeah, but we're excited to get to it. Anything to add before we start, Jonas? I mean, I think this is just going to be an awesome day, you know, because it was just a really successful season, you know, with the breakout players, just so many great players. And I think there's plenty of players to, uh, you know, to give awards to. And I think it's going to be fun to debate this. Absolutely. Lots of guys to recognize. That's what we've got on tap for today alongside a little bit of discussion about some prospects maybe that, that made headlines during the season. And just a quick look back at adding on to sort of what we talked about in episode one, which was uh, reopening the league and and taking a look at what that would entail. But we'll start with some awards for the season, looking back at the year. Andrew Chodas, who is your New York Rangers MVP from the 2019-2020 season there's only, there's only one answer, Brian. It's the bread man, Artemi Panarin. 95 points, the most since Yarmory Yager. Just an incredible season. You know, a plus-minus of 36 to lead, uh, to lead all forwards. Most even-strength points in the league. And unprecedented numbers he put up this season. Every time he was on the ice, it seemed like he made a flashy play, got the puck over to someone for an open net. Uh, it was so incredible to watch this guy do what he did on the ice. And if you don't think this guy is MVP, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you're thinking about, honestly. Let me tell you, there's two answers and you're wrong. Oh. My MVP, give me Mika Zibanejad. Okay. What a season for Mika Zibanejad. I mean, obviously, our time of the big ticket free agent, Somewhat expected. Obviously, you know, everyone expected him to be the Rangers' star player. Uh, you know, it, maybe not to have the quite the numbers that he did, but but he was expected to come in here and make a difference. Mika Zibanejad, coming off a good 70, 70, you know, some, 76, I think, point season he had last 74, year. 74, I think. 74? I think, yeah, I think so. Uh, he comes in and, I mean – it's hard to call it a breakout campaign because of how good he was a year ago, but what a year for him. And I look at it, uh, you know, look at the lens from what the Rangers did at the end of the year when they went on their run and really made a playoff push. Who was the one leading the way? It was Mika Zibanejad. Obviously, there's definitely an argument that the Rangers did find some, some success earlier in the season while Zibanejad was injured. Uh, and, and they rolled, you know, rolled with Strom as their number one center and Heedle as the number two center. They, they did stay afloat uh, throughout Zibanejad. I think he missed about a month with, it, with that con- or upper body injury that was relatively unclear after that hit from Patrice Bergeron. But the, when the Rangers went on their run at the end of the season, it was Mika Zibanejad leading the way, carrying the team, putting the team on his back. And it was quite frankly, Panarin going through his, not, I'm not going to call it a dry spell, but his roughest stretch of the season when he wasn't scoring quite as consistently as he was early on. Give me Mika Zibanejad for the Rangers MVP. Great goal scorer, 41 goals on the season, and he, and, and he missed you know, over a dozen games. But Panarin's play, when Zibanejad was out, just he was putting 10-game point streaks multiple times. It's, I, I, I don't understand how you have a guy top five in the points 
top five points in the league's most even strain points more than the likes of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. I don't understand when you have a guy that puts up those numbers. is not MVP. Yes, Mika's a banjack. He did everything, you know, defensively, offensively. And I think most years, absolutely, he's our MVP. But this year, it's got to go. It's, it's got to go to the big ticket free agent. That $11.74 million definitely seems like it was worth it. Don't get me wrong, not a knock on Panarin by any means. That guy is a total stud. The Rangers' rebuild would not be in, in the position that it is without him. But, you know, if in many ways, if, if, if you're the Rangers and it's, and it's like a game seven kind of thing and, and you can play with, with one, you've got to choose between Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, I might take Mika Zibanejad. I probably would take him. Partially, you know, I'll, I'll give him the bias because he's a center. But his all-around game, his defensive game, and that, and that – that that chemistry that that trio had with with him and Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich was I mean it's just it, I mean it's it was just I don't even know I don't even know how to describe it that was and, something special yeah and the two of them Panarin and Zibanejad whenever they were on the ice you know down by two three and, and DQ would put them on the ice seemingly every single game they would score once or, or twice like for instance I think about the game against the Wild when they were down three one and Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin with Bushnevich go on the ice together, they score a goal to come within one, score another goal to tie it, you know, win it in the shootout by Artemi Panarin. Who else scored in that shootout? Mika Zibanejad. The two of them, I, I yeah, you know, what it, the, the MVP award, I think, can be interchangeable, but I think Panarin just gets the edge there. Agreed. That, that, that point in there, it could go either way. There's no, I'm not going to try and argue that, that, there, that you, anyone can make a totally legitimate case for Artemi yeah. Panarin. There's no, there's no argument against that. But for me, I'd go Mika Zibanejad and you go Panarin. You can go either way. Both good options. The point is the Rangers have two star players now, something they have not had in a long time. We'll move on to the next one, though. A little, you know, again, we're not going with quite the traditional NHL awards here. Just, you know, different accolades to give different guys, maybe give some, some different players some recognition. Your most improved player from the, 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 the previous season here. Most improved player? Got to go with Ryan Strom. Was he playing with our time Panarin? Absolutely. But third on the team in points, 59 points breakout season for sure you know the goal scoring you know just the points wise and you know he's he's a great locker room presence and his overall play is just so much better than it has been in recent years you know a former top five overall pick and he really elevated his game this season to a whole nother level a whole nother level this guy he is a number two center for the future of the new york rangers provided he signs as an rfa which i hope he does yeah i think I mean, you have an argument there for Strom. I wouldn't necessarily agree he's the most improved. I think, I think he still got hold. I, I again, I'm the kind of guy. I don't, I don't understand the argument for, you know, well, Strom is only good with Panarin, so they should let Strom walk. Well, Panarin signed no. for for six more years now. What, what it doesn't? If he's good with Panarin and he can be Panarin's centerman for the next six years, there's no issue with that. I don't. There's no problem. That's great. He, if he's going to score sixty points next to Panarin, that's okay with me. Uh, you know, one's complaining about that, but. I do think Strom defensively still has holes in this game, despite the fact that Quinn would, you know, deploy him in sort of defensive situations, even occasionally like on the penalty kill. Didn't quite make sense to me. And, and the penalties are the biggest issue with him. Takes yeah. too many, doesn't yeah. draw enough. I think he was actually recently uh, stated that he was like one of the worst in the league uh, in regards to like penalties yeah, taken uh, and, you know, comparing penalties drawn and penalties taken. Um, again, Strom, good player. I'm not sure I'd call him the most improved for me, I think the the clear choice is Tony D'Angelo. Uh, you know, obviously the offensive numbers were on a whole new level this year. A guy that that was 
that was entering the, the Rangers organization, entering the league as a highly regarded offensive player. But I wouldn't say struggled, but, you know, maybe just struggled in other ways, struggled to find ice time because of his issues off the ice, because of issues uh, defensively. But this year, David Quinn gave him the chance, he, 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 and he totally flourished. And I think it was on both ends of the ice. I, I thought uh, D'Angelo improved defensively as well. I felt comfortable with him out there. I thought him and Mark Stahl actually formed a pretty, a pretty decent pair uh, with, with Stahl focusing on, on the defensive end of the ice and, and obviously D'Angelo chipping on an offense. But I do think the Rangers could not have found the success that they had without the, the drastic improvement uh, that, that Tony, and, and Tony D'Angelo, uh, drastic steps, I should say, that he took this year. Totally understandable. He improved, you know, mightily on the offensive sides, but he did, he really did not take many defensive strides. And that's something, you know, when the Rangers, you know, they're in the bottom 10 with, you know, shots per game, goals per goals per game, you need your star offensive defenseman to be able to be a two, a two way defenseman. And Tony D'Angelo, he really didn't take that many strides from last year to this year defensively. You know, he's small, small, you know, small size, but, um, if you really, really want to call him most improved, you need to see that on both ends of the ice for a defenseman, not just on the offensive end. What I'd say to you there, though, is that Tony D'Angelo's best defense is his offense. When, when D'Angelo's on the ice, the Rangers are creating chances. They've got the puck in the offensive zone. And, and just by doing that, you're eliminating, obviously, the opportunity for, for chances against. I think that, I mean, I think the Rangers structurally have things to work on offensively. I mean, I don't know how many defensemen you could say were better I mean I don't know even a guy like even you know I don't know I, I, I obviously Adam Fox was a revelation for the Rangers I thought he was good in his own zone I thought I thought Ryan Lindgren uh you know did a great job blocking shots you know clearing clearing the crease but how many other guys in the Rangers would you say were, were seriously better in their own zone was Brady Shea in it before being traded better in his own zone than Tony D'Angelo maybe but I'm not sure by how much I think the Rangers defensively need to work on things but individually Tony D'Angelo showed improvement, and I think it showed in his ice time and, and the way David Quinn trusted him throughout the season 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, he also has a bunch of power play points on the power play. You know, he racked up a lot of his points. Is he a great defenseman, you know, a top-pairing top defenseman? Yes, but, you know, just overall, Ryan Strom, the chances were there. He was making plays on the ice, and just the strides he made last year this year, I think he's got to be the most improved player. Again, Tony D'Angelo had a great season but I think it's the edge has got to go to Brian Storm here. Let me ask you this then. Again, aside from the most improved player, obviously I would say both, again, are, are viable answers. Yeah. You, you, know, you, can, you can pay one of Strom or D'Angelo. Which one are you, are you giving that $6 million to? Um, I am going to give it to Ryan Strom because the right side of our defense is overloaded right now. And I think that, yes, a lot the loss of Tony but could, D'Angelo but, sorry, would be absolutely – couldn't, okay, you argue, couldn't you also argue that Philip Hedl and, and Brett Howden and Leah Sanderson, you know, hypothetically, give the Rangers enough depth down the middle to part with Strom and, and you wouldn't want to take a chance on, on you, know, maybe, you know, maybe you can get out of Jacob Trubis' contract or maybe you move D'Angelo to the, to the other side or something? No, 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 because the chemistry Ryan Strom has with the star player Panarin, we have a line 1A and 1B one being the Crotters, Banjai Bushnevich, one being the Panarin, Strom, Faust. And without, and I think Panarin and Strom without one each other, I don't think that, that, that they could have been, you know, number one and number three on the team in points. And, you know, you, I mean, you have Nils Lundqvist coming up. He's on the right, he's on the right side of the defense. You have Truba, you know, who's going to log the most ice time for years to come. You have Fox, who we've seen what he can does, what he can do, just an absolutely incredible season. Tony Angel, I love him. He's one of my favorite players. He's great off the ice, great on the ice. Paying him six to seven million dollars, which is what he's going to want, I don't know if it's worth it. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying I don't know if it's worth it. 
I'd say this. I think the Rangers, the the opportunity they missed this season was to see, it was to see whether you know Artemi Panarin's was success was a product of of being with Ryan Strom and whether or not Tony D'Angelo is capable of playing on the left side because that would that would answer a lot of questions and help them going into yeah. the summer here. You know, give our give you know uh, Panarin a shot with Philip Edel and see how that works. Is Artemi Panarin just that special a player where he's elevating Ryan Strom game, Ryan Strom's game, or is you know Ryan Strom part of the reason that Panarin had his best season of his career? Let's not forget that too. But and then the same thing goes for D'Angelo. Why? I mean, he obviously did receive a little bit of time playing on the left because sometimes Quinn would would put him out with Fox sort of when the Rangers were down or at the end of a period or something, but. And might as well, I mean, I, don't, I never understood, especially in a, a weak defense like the Rangers had this year, why not give D'Angelo a shot on the left side? You know, settle this question, and all of a sudden you feel a lot better about signing him long term if you knew that he could, he could, he, he could succeed on the on the left side. Because I think the only argue, argument against D'Angelo, which is one you made, of course, is that the Rangers' right side is stacked. But if, if D'Angelo could play the left side and be just as effective, I'd probably take D'Angelo over Strom. I do think it's probably harder to find that top four defensemen than it is to find that center, especially when the Rangers have guys coming up through the system like Heedle, who has shown some promise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's just, you know, another high draft pick this year. There's plenty of of guys available. Uh, A guy like Connor Zary, who plays up the middle uh, could be a target, but I'd go D'Angelo if, if we were a hundred percent sure he could play on the left as of right now. Again, I kind of say you could go either way. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's what I got to say. Yeah, I think we need to test him on the. I mean, I, if this actually going to another point as we were going to discuss, if the season resumes, I think if the season resumes, I don't think it would be the worst idea to maybe test D'Angelo on the left side for some games to see if he can play there. You know, scout him out from the front office, and if he can play on the left side of the defense, I think that hypothetically, I think then that we should sign Tony D'Angelo. Hypothetically, if he is able to play on the left side of the defense. I just think, yes, I, again, they should have tested that. But if they come back and the Rangers are in the playoff chase or even in the playoffs, mm-hmm. that's probably not the time they're thinking that is, yeah. is their time to test him on the left side. It's probably should have been, you know, when like Mark Stahl was injured or Libar Hayek was injured and they were missing defensemen on the left side and, you know, we're, we're in need of, <laughs> of help there. It would have made sense. Why not try D'Angelo before, you know, going to, to call someone up or, or, or doing, doing other things? We'll move on to the next one. Surprise player of the season. Oof, surprise player of the season. Before this podcast, I was going to say Adam Fox. But I was thinking about it the whole day. And I'm not going to say Adam Fox because the expectations were so high for him. And I think that he exceeded those expectations. So in my opinion, um, I think the breakout player of the season. Surprise, surprise player. Oh, surprise player. I apologize. There's a difference. There's a difference. I, I apologize. I apologize. The surprise player of the season. I would probably say Jasper Frost. Let me tell you why. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Let me tell you why. Jasper Frost, you know, in recent years, he's been third, fourth liner. His point production really has not been there. And I didn't really think he was going to have much of, much of a, you know, much of an offensive role in this team when he came into the season. I thought he was going to have zero to little. And when he, when David Quinn put him on the ice with Artemi Panarin, Ryan Strobe, he was absolutely incredible in his role. Four check get the pucks, give the ability to Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom make plays. That line produced an incredible incredible amount of scoring, and if not for Jesper Fast, I don't think that, that 
that that line's numbers would have been close. Maybe Panarin would have an 80-point season, and Strom would have around a 40 to 50-point season. Jesper Faust, he was hardworking, and he ha- and he still has that skill, and he has that slight shot that can really elevate you know the other players on the ice and on his line. It's surprising to me that he was able to uh, to add offensive production to that line he was on. I didn't really think he was having much of a role. Very good. I, I think that's a interesting interesting choice. Not one I would have thought of for sure. Um, I agree that he played his role perfectly as he's as he's done for years. It's just mm-hmm. that his role was you know further up the lineup maybe than in years past. Yeah. Um, then again. He's also on pace for you know a 35, 40 point season if the season. Yeah, yeah no, no, it was not the the production was not non-existent or anything. I I still would argue that I mean I would have liked the Rangers to I would have liked to see the Rangers put someone else in that spot and okay. and give someone else a shot. Uh, and again, that's it's not that's not Foss's fault. That's you know more on David Quinn than it is Foss. Okay. Uh, but for me, I I think I it's hard for me not to go with with the guy you you first mentioned in Adam Fox. I mean, I think people. I mean, Fox was a highly regarded prospect and had you know was coming off a couple of great seasons at Harvard, but I don't think anyone expected him to come in and make the the impact that he did from the get go. I mean, again, I think he was far and away the Rangers' best defenseman this season. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think I mean he's I mean literally is is on that same tier as Quinn Hughes, as Kale McCarr, as one of these you know pretty much franchise type defensemen that that will be a cornerstone for this rebuild and. You know, kudos to Jeff Gordon for for trading those two second round picks to go and get him uh, this past summer, and not and not waiting uh, until he hit unrestricted free agency and taking his chance. Uh, I think Fox again, as I mentioned earlier, just a revelation for the Rangers. What a a a year he had! I mean, it literally, my favorite player already already have his jersey, uh, already have a signed photo by him as, yeah. as it came in the mail the other day, but. Uh, uh, just a, ter- a tremendous season from Adam Fox. And, you know, uh, I think it would have been a, a real record setter for Rangers rookie defenseman had it continued. Brian Leach-esque. Yes, Brian for Leach-esque. sure. And I, and when you say you're a diehard fan of Adam Fox, I can confirm that to all our viewers. Me and Brian went to a game <laughs> earlier in the season, went to a shop, you know, they have Panarin's a Banjad. Where does he go? Customized Adam Fox jersey. Loves the guy. I love him too incredible defenseman he is the future of our right defense but me actually being from jericho you know the same town he was born in it's really awesome to see and i knew he had the talent because i actually know people that have stepped on the ice with adam fox so i knew his production was going to be high i'm not gonna lie not this high you know maybe i was gonna say 30 something point season but you know quinn could put him on at the ice whenever he wanted you know defensively offensively but i still think that you know quickie and jesper fast i don't i what he did off to improve us offensively, I just think it was so unexpected, in my opinion. For sure. Um, I mean, yes, I think, again, Foss is – I think Foss was more like – again, yeah, Foss does fit the word surprising in, in many ways where it was just kind of like out of nowhere, maybe in a different kind of way. Out than, of nowhere, than yeah. I, it, it was a different kind of, you know, surprise than Adam Fox. Obviously, Foss is, you know – been around and and mm-hmm. you know been a part been a part of Rangers teams yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, Fox Fox from that once he made that pass to uh, to Capocacco in overtime was, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Incredible. He, he had me sold on his game. Cock was two uh, goal game. You know, 
Fox and Kako multi point games. That that may yes, have been that, my favorite. Besides from Meeks and Bad Dad's five goal performance, that was probably my favorite game of the year. That was arguably the high point of the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Fox for Fox, I think expectations were there. I actually just pulled it up. I wrote an article for Elite Sports New York uh, in the beginning of the season, you know, before the season started, projecting everyone's point total for the year. I had Adam Fox at twenty nine. He, you know, which I thought was like a, a relatively optimistic prediction. It's a rookie, yeah. you know, you never know. I mean, who knew? Some people, we didn't know that if he was going to make yeah. the team. Obviously, you know, he exceeded that in a big way with forty two in, in in only seventy games. Uh, and it was, you know, set to surpass Michael Delzato, who was the last Ranger defenseman to score 40-plus points. Speaking uh, of – Rookie defenseman. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your – of how you wrote about Adam Fox for Leeds Sports New York, before the season actually started, I actually wrote um, an article for Blue Line Station on who I thought, if the Rangers had a chance of winning the Calder Trophy, who I thought it would be. And I listed three players. I listed Capo Caco as the favorite. I listed Vitaly Krasov as the dark horse. And then number three – I said essentially the impossible, the unlikely choice, Adam Fox. He just defied, he just defied what, what I thought was possible for a rookie defenseman to do. Incredible season. The kid is incredible. Love him. You love him. He is the future of our right defense. He is our best defenseman. All right? We have to clear that up. And for that reason, he's my surprise player. We'll move on, though. Surprise, As you mentioned. Maybe. We'll see. Okay, just go on. As you mentioned, the breakout player of the year, slightly uh, different. Breakout uh, player, slightly different. I I, I agree. I, I would say I didn't think Fox was the breakout player just because it was his first season in the league. I think you're, you're looking for a, a guy who's been around longer, yeah. maybe as the breakout player. I didn't feel like it was fair because obviously there was you know no one really knew what to expect from Fox coming into the year. Who was the guy that totally broke out, surpassed your expectations? Okay, don't get mad at me here because the production wasn't there, but I'm gonna go with Pavel Buchnevich. Hear me out on this one. All right. He had 46 points this season. Easily could have had 70. Easily could have had 70. What I saw from the beginning of the season, his attitude on that bench to when he scored the last goal of that season, he was able to make plays, get in the right areas on the ice, and a 46-point season is still not bad. And I really think that he, he took his skill level from, eh, if he, we don't really know if he can play on the top two line, to, oh, he can definitely play. He's definitely a top six forward. And if he works on his finishing skills, which I know he has, that Russian winger, he's going to be a top, not, not, not a top six, but a top three forward in this, in this league. You mean on the Rangers, like a top line forward? <laughs> on the Rangers. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's, come, I don't think he's I going apologize. to be a top three forward in the NHL. Uh, on the Rangers. I apologize, everyone. I apologize for that comment. I think that's an interesting choice. Obviously, which, I mean, obviously, been thinking about this sort of, brainstorming for a day or so now, which damage was someone that crossed my mind for sure. Had he not gone through that dry spell, you're, as you said, oh. he could, he's looking at a 60-plus point season in, in the 68 games that he played, not in a full season. He yeah. literally could – I mean, his, in the amount of chances that he missed was oh my God. something, oh my God. something got, else. Oh, and you, and it's, you feel bad when you see him go on the bench and he just looks so depressed. And you have Coach Quinn coming to his shoulders, tapping him on. But when he and scores – at the same time oh. – at the same time, though, again, I think what you made a good point about is there, even though he was, you know, definitely just showed his emotions when he was not scoring, he was upset. <laughs> I do think, I did think generally that he improved, like, he just seemed, he was seemed more engaged this year, which was sort of the issue with him in yeah, the past, absolutely. where Quinn was, you know, critical of him, wasn't in the game. He was, he was all, he was bought in. He was all in this year, and he was frustrated, and obviously you didn't, sometimes he looked maybe overly frustrated, but especially when, like, the team was winning, but 
but he was he was all in and he was you know pushing himself and he was upset about that. For me, I'd go slightly different direction. Maybe again, maybe more, maybe slightly more in the surprise category. But I call him a breakout because he did play a little bit last year and totally surpassed my expectations. I'm going with Ryan Lingard. Adam Fox is Adam Fox's Adam Fox's partner there. I thought Lingren came in and, you know, obviously let's not forget Lingren did not even start the season in the NHL. I mean, we, we forget that this guy came in and, and I mean, essentially Fox and Lingren ended up being the top pairing on this team. Uh, but Lingren, Lingren started the season in the NHL came up and he just totally, he was excellent from the first game he played. He, he totally, you know, showed why 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 the Rangers called him up, why they wanted to trade for him back in in the day, and 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 I thought he totally surpassed my expectations. Even even as a young young guy, he was sort of like the heart and soul of this team. I mean, the way that he was blocking shots, just you know, getting stitches seemingly every game was was just it was just sort of setting the example for all the guys and playing that. That, that style, that, that tough, just, you know, like young, hungry game that the Rangers are looking for all year. For that reason, I've got Ryan Linger. What do you think? And, and you mentioned, you know, him getting stitches, you know, and giving it all. And if we're going to transition, that's why I think he deserves to win the Steve McDonald Extra Effort Award. Night in, night out. He's blocking shots. He's putting his body on the line. He has black and blues on his face. I mean, he improved throughout the season. He exemplified what effort means, sliding on the ice, hustling down the ice, being there in pressure situations, you know, by the goaltender. He could even rush up the ice. I mean, the, the effort he put in, I mean, between him and maybe Jesper Foss and maybe someone like Brendan Smith, I mean, he's a young kid. First year, you know, in the NHL, and he just put his body on the line, did whatever David Quinn asked of him. And honestly, he probably ended up he was what he was possibly our best defensive defenseman this season. Incredible. Love love his effort, love his attitude, and love for the game. And I think he is my clear choice for the Steve McDonald extra effort award this season. Again, another one that I considered there too for sure. I'd lean I get I don't know. It could go either way between Lingren and Mika Ad for me. Again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm definitely a Mika Ad fan. I did find him to be probably the the heart and soul of the Rangers forward group, at least, whereas Lindgren was definitely, you know, sort of that exemplary player uh, for the, for the defensive group. Uh, I thought uh, Zabanejad's, you know, night in night out, the guy was a force. He was, he was, I mean, you know, I assume he, he's, it's only a matter of time before he's named the captain of this team. He is a, he is a star on the ice and off the ice. Then again, as you're saying, Ryan Lindgren, there's a totally legitimate argument. Uh, you could kind of go either way. The fun part about the Stephen McDonald Award is it is a fan vote, so you kind of never know at that. But I'd, I'd be shocked if anyone – I mean, I'm, Panarin's amazing. Uh, I, I don't think he's worthy of the Stephen McDonald Award. Uh, I don't think really there's anyone outside of Zibanejad or Lindgren that makes much sense there. But to go back to the, to the uh, breakout player, like we were talking about, I think for Pavel Buchnevich, like you were saying – He's the for, for him the test is going to be next year to see if this was truly the breakout year for him. You know, if he comes in or maybe if just the season continues this year. If he comes in and you know continues to produce and plays on that top line next year then then you'll you'll be absolutely right and this will have been that year where Buchnevich takes the next step because let's not forget it's not like he was being healthy scratch this year or anything and that is a step in the right direction for him. He he improved his his game in his own zone for sure. 
it's just going to be about finding consistency for Bucinavich if he wants to really take that next step. Um, anything else you want to add? Yeah, yeah I'm going to I'm going to counter again to your Meeks Abanchard extra effort award. You know, okay, uh, we're going back to that. Okay. Can you name any other 22 year, 22, 23 year old person in this league? that puts in the effort and the defensive style as much as Ryan Lindgren does, putting his body on the line, you know, coming out of games with stitches and black and blues on their face. Can you name any for me? No, but that's, but, but that, no, but that's not no, what this award no, is. No, 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 no. It's called the Extra Effort Award. It's called the effort you put in. Ryan Lindgren is the clear decision. Let's go on to the next award, Brian. I'd say that what Mika Zibanejad did, putting this team on, this ba- on his back throughout the most important stretch of the season – was something else. The guy brings it night in and night out. Not a knock on Ryan Lindgren's effort for sure, but you know how many how many centers are 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 producing the ways of Benajet is, you know, as responsible in his end of the ice. I don't I don't I don't think I don't think you could find an answer for that either. We'll move on though. The rookie of the year, the, the top rookie. Okay, Brian, we're gonna say the answer on three because I know what the answer is. Ready? One, two, three. Adam Papa Fox. Kaka. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Adam Fox all the way for sure. I think I think this is a good time to talk about Kapokaka, but yeah. yes, I think I think yeah, it's yeah. unanimous decision of Adam Fox, our first unanimous decision of the day, I think. I don't think there's really any argument for anyone else. We've discussed yeah. Fox plenty. That guy is a star in the making. But but as you said, you wrote an article prior to the season predicting Capo Caco, uh, you know, if any of the Rangers were to win the Calder Trophy, he'd be the guy. And I, I wasn't the only one. I can tell you that much. I was not for the sure, only one For sure. There. He was highly, you know, regarded by many as a Calder Trophy candidate. I wrote an article before the season, you know, looking at each line, predicting the player, uh, the stats, like I've mentioned. I had Caco on the second line with Strom and Kreider. I also had him scoring 22 goals, putting up 29 assists and scoring 51 points. Oof. That didn't happen either. Of course, he's extremely young. Is it? Would you say it's this kind of? We'll, we'll, we'll wait to get to the next award. But do you think it's a stretch to call him the biggest disappointment or a disappointment? I knew you were going to say that. Absolutely not. The kid went from eighteen to nineteen years old. Never played in America. You know, for you know, ever. You know, change of ice. You know, change of a team. Doesn't really speak much English. And he's playing against guys that are stronger, more experienced, bigger than him. And he showed, you know, slivers of skill throughout the season, especially towards the end of the season. He was starting to get his stride on. Yes, what's his plus, minus, minus, whatever. Yeah. But he still put up, you know, over 20 <laughs> points. And you know what? Compared to other rookies we've seen in the past, great example, Andrei Svechnikov. Debatably the best top two forward in the cage right now. First season, did not live up to expectations at all. Second season, dramatically improved, over double the amount of points. And we know, we've seen the highlights, we've seen what he did in Europe. The guys bigger than him, stronger than him, more experienced than him, older than him. And I know Kako has that ability in him to score, to finish, to make others on the ice better than him. He is drafted second overall. He's a generational talent for a reason. We cannot be too hard on this kid. He is 19 years old. Do not be too hard on this kid. He will come into his own. If that takes a year, great. If it takes you two years, that's fine also. I think, yeah, I think comparing him to Andrei Svechnikov is, you know, obviously they've got a lot in common being the second overall picks, you know, two drafts back to back. But, you know, the, the goal, the dream is that Kako takes that same jump that, that Svechnikov, Svechnikov took this year. Which I, I think he will. Think, 
Svechnikov's rookie year was was much much better than Kako's. He played 82 games. He had 20 goals, 17 assists for 37 points. His plus minus was even. Again, also not that I think that plus minus is the end all be all by any mm-hmm. means, but I do think it carries a little bit of weight. Yeah. And Kako, 10 goals, 13 assists, only only got through 66 games because exactly. of, the, the, of the schedule. But he was also a minus 26, which is you know quite. Terrible. But I I also want to add a lot of no no. no. He was already up to, you know, minus 15, 16, just, you know, a couple weeks into the season. So, so he improved throughout the season. We know that. His start to the season was – it wasn't great. It wasn't yes, but great. His, but his plus, plus minus didn't get better. And then, I mean – it, it, it did not continue on the awful path. Though. It didn't. It didn't, yes. But it would be hard to even possibly sustain that for yes. sure. I would say – and then Svechnikov, again, back to the point, this year had 24 goals, 37 assists, 61 points, and was a plus nine. Obviously a huge jump in only 68 games, might I add. Um, but my my, question, my original question was, is it fair to say that Capo Caco was, had a disappointing season? Now, I think it is. Again, that's far different than saying that he's a bust. And you could, you could totally make your, the argument that expectations were way too high. But again, when I wrote that article and you wrote that article and I projected 50-plus points and you, project, you know, said he had a legitimate shot at winning the Calder, I don't think either of those were – anyone would have said that's unrealistic at the time and that that was not even particularly optimistic. I think expectations were high, but they were high rightfully so. He performed at all levels. He performed uh, in Finland, you know, playing against men. He performed well in the World Championships. World uh, Juniors. The world Junior. I mean, World Junior. I'm just saying. Clinched against America. In the yeah, world and, I, and the only reason I'm not saying the World Juniors is because he was playing against kids his age. You know, he performed against those bigger, stronger guys, and you know, all all throughout any tournament he played in last year, and he didn't this year. And again, I'm not labeling him a bust by any stretch of the imagination. And I still think that he he did show you know display that talent and 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 everything that we kind of expected from him. But there's there. I think he was, you know, not quite as, he was just not quite as ready as we expected. And for that reason, I don't think it's unfair to label season disappointment. Maybe maybe he was better served starting out the season in Hartford. Yeah. We'll never know, even though that was never really going to end up happening. And I, th- well, I think when we saw the ice a lot of him, I thought we saw, you know, I thought he just seemed afraid at times, you know, just to get into the play. He seemed just, uncomfortable. That's what uncomfortable. I would say. And I think he, he became more comfortable towards the end of the year. I really think he did. Defensively, sure. he needs work. But for I sure. know. When we went to the game against the Panthers and we saw him get on the power play, you know, move into the circle and just rifle that puck far side, when he shot the puck, the emotion he showed after scoring goals, he has the skill and he has that determination. And once he comes out of his shell, I think he's a star. But again, back to was it a disappointing season? Absolutely. It was just, I think it was unexpected. Uh, He performed significantly, I don't want to say worse, but less better than I anticipated. But uh, yeah, I don't want to say worse. Seems that's, like that's I a, convinced you. That, that, that's, I swung, no, that's, I swung no, you no, to no, my no, side. No, 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 no. You didn't convince me. I said, well, he had a disappointing season, but but I thought, but when you said like, I feel like he still has that that potential to be good. For in sure. Again, years. disappointment in a bust is a different I don't think, thing. Yeah, I, I'm not. I think I think we're judging it. We're judging it purely from from the 2019 2020 season. His numbers, his play was slightly disappointing. I think you know, again that doesn't reflect on his career or the player that you know. He what is. I'm really intrigued to see, Brian, if the season continues and what is it? I don't know, 12, 13 games remaining in the season. Yeah, I want to see where he transitions in in these 
hypothetically at least final that's a good point. 13 games in the playoffs. Because he, that's a good point. You know, because you know the game against the Stars, just a few games to go in the season, got two goals. You know, had a great dangle in front. You know, against Ben Bishop, one of the best goalies, if not if not the best goalie. And I think let me add, let me yeah. add that I think as as many have, have said, this guy's played a ton of hockey. So you know, he played through so the much. summer, through everything, and and this break could serve him well if they come back. He's a guy that, that you know, needs that time off, to maybe time to, to bulk up a little bit, put on a little bit more muscle. Which, which he did throughout the season. He, for he, sure. He bulked we saw up those pictures of him. We did yeah. see those pictures. Those were funny. <laughs> and I do think, you know, even as you were saying, like that they go against the Stars, he showed, you know, even the, you know, the 10 goals he scored, he showed, you know, that skill, why, about why he's you know, viewed as – why he was viewed as such a great player. Going back to that first goal against Edmonton, he had that beauty, that second goal against Dallas, uh, like that dangle around Ben Bishop. And he also, you know, he scored scored in all types of ways. He had a one-timer that game. He scored in the one-timer against LA. He had a nice power play goal against Florida, like what you were talking about when we were there. Uh, I think he's, you know, he he flashed for sure. There were games where you could see, see why he's regarded as the player he was. But but again, on the other side, there were games where he was on the ice for three, four goals and David Quinn would put on the bench. And and it was was non-existent too. There was was games where you didn't even realize he played for sure. Exactly. I think we'll move on though from so that was that was the best rookie conversation which yeah, we well, on Adam Fox. We, we really yeah, it was Adam Fox. There was really no discussion. We'll, about we'll that move one. on to the biggest <laughs> disappointment. Now the question is, was Capo Caco your biggest disappointment? The biggest disappointment from the 2019-2020 season in your eyes is who? I'm gonna go here and I'm going a lot of people would say Jacob Truba, right? And I think you're gonna end up saying Jacob Truba as well. I assume, right? You're going to end up saying Jacob Truba? I'll, I'll leave that a mystery. All right. I am going to say Libor Hayek. He only played. Listen, listen to me. He only he didn't play a lot of games, but he came in. You know, a lot of people were saying, great defensive defenseman. You know what? Left side of the D. He's a needed player. You know, he can really work well with, with, with an offensive style right defenseman. I'm, to be lightly on him, he was awful. He was god awful, and his numbers in the AHL were even worse than uh, than that of the um, of the NHL. And analytically, he was bottom five amongst all NHL defensemen at the beginning of the season. And I real I was talking to the people, and I really thought he was going to be great, you know, on the on the penalty kill and our own defensive zone. Single digit points for this kid. I mean, really, way the negatives and the plus minus. I just I'm like, come on. Come on! I thought he had something with into him, and no, he's just. I, I don't. I real. I don't know if he's going to be in the NHL ever once again. I do not think so. I hope he is, but I don't. I don't think he's going to have another chance as a as a full, uh, you know, long term left defenseman in the NHL. I, I don't think yeah. he will. I think that's one where yeah, we're we're hoping we're wrong, but I'm I'm on the same page as you. There is his future as a you know that shutdown defenseman, top four yeah, guy just, is looking. Yeah. Bleak and and that whole trade where the Rangers have yeah. Jeff Gordon and and you know now John Davidson previously Glenn Saylor have pulled off some some fantastic trades we've yeah, we've, we, was, we've talked about that yeah. off off the, the show here for sure but but that that Ryan McDonough trade is is not looking like their best and you know nope. arguably could have been their their most important uh, trading nope. way probably their JT best player. Miller is now tearing up you know 
the, the whole city of Vancouver. Mack Trump yes. is, assisting, is an alternate captain for one of the best teams in the NHL, and Libra Hayek is struggling in the AHL, and Brett Howden and, is and still in the center. Is, is, is <laughs> not quite the guy that we many expected either. Uh, I'm actually not going to say Jacob Truba. I was tempted to say Ooh. Jacob Truba too because wow. I – I, I personally uh, like Jacob Truba. I think his defensive style while the most ice time, but go on. It's your turn to talk. I thought Jacob Truba had a bad season. I thought Jacob Truba was clearly injured or dealing with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't look quite right. Uh, and again, this is biggest disappointment, so it is somewhat relative to expectations. I'm going to go with the other guy that, that maybe surprisingly started the year in Hartford and ended up getting the call up. Ah, I'm going with Philip Heedle. Interesting. Uh, for, for me... Again, same way I was talking about Kako, by no means is he a bust or anything. The guy's 20 years old. Uh, he's got plenty of time here. But he's kind of – I mean, he's in his third year third year in North America. This was his third year in North America. His, his, uh, another, another chance where for him to play, uh, you know, big-time minutes for the Rangers. His first year he played nine games with the Rangers – 2017-2018, also played 46 games in Hartford. Then last season, he played 75 games. So I wouldn't say he's you know, so inexperienced this time, this time uh, this, at this point in his career. Starts the season in Hartford, playing nine games, and then, and then plays 60 with the Rangers. Again, he, his numbers went, went up a little bit. He, he scored 14 goals com- only in 60 games compared to the 11 that he scored in 75 uh, the previous year. Uh, his point total was the same at 23. <laughs> I think he's the kind of guy that's a skilled. He's got some skill, you know. He's got some skill. Is he like quite skilled enough or, or good enough to be a top six guy? I don't know. I'm not quite seeing that yet. He needs to do it more consistently. Similarly to Kako, again, he seems to just fade out of some games, even less so than he did in the past. But still, I would just find him non-existent some nights. And I think that. I'm looking for more production uh, from him when it comes to playmaking and setting up his, his teammates. The skill is that, there. You've that, seen his dangles. He, the skill is there. He just needs to capitalize. I think, he's, I think his goal-scoring skill is there. And again, 14 goals in 60 games as a 20-year-old is, is you know, solid. But he's got nine assists. And he had, yeah. he had 12 assists in, 17, in 75 games uh, the previous year. I, I don't see him quite as, as the – he's like a sniper almost – not, he's not quite a sniper, but he's more of a yeah. goal scorer. Yeah. And in your center, I think you, you want a guy who can, you know, put his teammates maybe in, in more positions to succeed than Heedle does. And you even think about the season, like, Heedle scores some, some highlight real goals for sure. I, you, mm-hmm. you know, name some off the top of my head, including another one, I believe it was in that Florida game we, to, we went to. Yeah. Uh, and, but, I mean, think about, like, some great Philip Heedle setups from the year. You can't really, you can't really come up with them. I Where's, can think of one. I can think of one. That's it. The whole season. Give me, give me your one. It was the one uh, in San Jose where he cut through the defense. Yeah, that, you're right. You're right. Fast. Passed, yes. Oh, yes, for fast. My surprise player of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, but I mean, I'm just, I'm serious. Like, think about it. Even like you know, with with Strom. I mean, obviously Strom playing with Panera, and we we've, we've discussed that. But like, you know, much more comes to mind. You know, it was Benajad, obviously. Um, and Aaron, even you know, you want. Like, I just don't see him quite as as, as a well round the re- well rounded center yet. Again, there's time for him to develop. I was hoping, you know, considering it was his third year here, that he'd be able to take that jump to again, not not to that that you know, like Mika Zibanejad level by any means, no. But like, I was hoping that that he you know be able to put together a you know maybe a, a forty point season or something. Uh, just maybe show a little bit more promise than he did. Not that he didn't. I think people like 
almost overhyped his season because of the fact that he started the year in Hartford and then came up and, and, you know, like played well, but had he started the year here and done the same thing? Like, it was almost like he went from like people expected him, you know, big things of him, then was a disappointment and then came back and was like, Oh, he's not a disappointment anymore. He's just like fine. But it was like, I think he was just fine. That's what he was. You know who, who he reminds me of? Who? Former Ranger. A certain former Hobie Baker Award winner who now plays left wing for the Buffalo Sabres. Expectations high, performance low. He, I did buy a jersey of him a couple years ago. And that I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't think you can make fun of me for getting my Adam Fox jersey when you own a Jimmy VZ jersey. I also have a Vitaly Kravtsov jersey. Oh, sp- ooh. Speaking of Vitaly Kravtsov, let's go to our next point. What prospects do we think? Have no, the most no, prospects? no, not yet. What, what are you going to say? Not what, yet? What are you going to say about Jimmy Vesey? That, that Filipino reminds you of uh, Jimmy Vesey? Oh, my God. Okay. This guy Let's came out point. of – Hold on. This guy came out of college winning the Hobie Baker Award. You know, you guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Kale McCarr, who won this award. You know, the whole hype train. You know, it gets drafted by Nashville, signed with the Rangers. Oh, he's going to be great. You, Brian Ken, you know, confirmed to this. I'm like, oh, he's going to be a 25, 30-goal scorer in the NHL. No, his trade for a mid-round pick, I think, was one of the best trades we could ever do. The kid is just not a good hockey player. No knock on him as a person. He is just not a good hockey player. But he's not on the Rangers anymore, so let's forget about him and get to our next point, Brian. I'll tell you that Philip Pietos outproduced Jimmy Vesey this year in, okay. in fewer games. Relax. I think – I don't think he rem- – I mean, I think you could say, like, I don't think, like, as a player that he reminds me of him. I just think that he'll – still annoyed. still annoyed. What did you Jimmy say? Vesey. Jimmy Vesey still annoys me. I, I really like. I, I, I love the guy. Like, I, I saw him in the subway a couple of years ago, and he just, I don't know. It's really, really. I think that, I think that Heedle is. <laughs> I think that Heedle is. Um, uh, I, I mean, I think is a different. Is a different point. I mean, even Jimmy Vesey, having you know, coming out of college, entered the league at like 24, 25 or something. That's true. Again, Heedle's twenty years old right now. He's yeah. got more potential. To, to still develop. I just Anyone was, has more potential than Jimmy Vesey, dude. That's that's true. But not when he entered the league, at least what we thought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hype, after the whole, hype, after the not, whole Jimmy Vesey sweepstakes. Hype, yes. not potential. Uh, but I think – he was a disappointment for me. Uh, I just didn't – I just, you know, again, Jacob Truba might have been the obvious choice. I'm, I'm kind of willing to let Jacob Truba get another year. Obviously, you know, new system – I'm I'm willing to give Troop another shot. I I Hedl, I'm willing to give Hedl another shot too, but I was I I thought this was gonna be the year where Hedl finally took that not finally, but he took that step and, and I didn't think he did. But before we get to our to our prospects, like you were you were saying, let's say, let's let's discuss the best game of uh of the seat. Like, you know, not 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 by each player, like the best range what was your favorite Ranger game from the season? There are three games that, that come to mind to me. Okay. I think one is Mika's Avengers' five-goal game against yep. Washington. Yeah. Two is the comeback against the Montreal Canadiens. Don't know and how you could not mention that one. Yeah. I, I, I just mentioned I'm it. saying, yeah, like, I don't know how, obviously. Oh, for sure. And number, and number three is actually opening night. In the 6-4 I, vi- I had a feeling you would say that. In the 6-4 victory against the Winnipeg Jets, and I am a little biased because I was at that game, and it was one of the best, experience, the best experiences I've ever had at a hockey game. But I, talk, I talked about it with myself today, and I've got to go with Meeks about Jets' five-goal game. Um, for a player to put up five goals in one game, it's, um, to put it lightly, 
close to impossible. It's and unprecedented. Almost impossible. I be, uh, the last player in the league to do it, I believe, was Patrick Laine, I believe. And, um, you know, one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. And I think Nick Zibanejad's well on his way to being one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. But um, that game, just back and forth, the former Ranger call Highland getting the game started off. And then, you know, Nick Zibanejad scoring, you know, and then to start the third period, gets the, gets the hat trick on a great feed by Pavel Bushnevich. And then Alexander Ovechkin, who's been a Ranger killer for years, ties it up late. And then overtime, an incredible saucer pass to Nick Zibanejad. Backhand, forehand, backhand, shelf. That is maybe the loudest I've heard the Garden in two, three, maybe even four years. That game was so incredible to watch. And honestly, I think that may be the best game of the NHL season. No knock on any of those games. Again, opening night, I, 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 mean, I, I remember watching it. But great game, but... I'm not going to quite say it was like the best game, one of the best games of the season. Our Tampa first goal is a Ranger. I that was a great moment. That's that's great moments. But I was actually in the best for that, which really game. annoyed me. But that's what I was thinking. <laughs> in terms of his best, the Rangers' best games, I think of you know, can't deny the Montreal game, can't deny the Washington game. I'm going to go with a different one though. How about the Rangers' overtime victory over the New York Islanders at Nassau Coliseum? Late in the season, big game, Alexander Georgiev in goal with Igor Shosturkin out to injury. You know, Rangers finally kind of hitting some adversity. End up taking a one nothing lead. Uh, end up with a 2-1 lead after, after two periods. Then go up 3-1 in the third period. The Islanders come back uh, with Brock Nelson tying the game with 18 seconds left. And then Mika Zibanejad with a slap shot beats Semyon Varlamov in overtime with a heck of an assist by Panarin. Panarin skating up to him with the leg kick. I mean, there's some iconic videos. I got a little that scared there when he put the leg kick. That was high. <laughs> it was way too close to Mika's throat. I'm like, okay, Artemi, let's, let's, let's not slice our captain's throat in half. But, I, I, um, I, I, I mean, that was an unreal performance. Some other ones that I'd highlight not, that were not quite there was uh, that win against Pittsburgh that I mentioned earlier yeah. with, with Kako and Fox, uh, having both having sort of, you know, coming out party type of games. Yeah. Uh, they had their win against Tampa Bay uh, earlier in the season. Adam Fox scored his first goal. Uh, again, they, they seem to play really well on Wednesday night hockey on, on NBC. You told me this before. Never on NBC, the they don't teams, lose. They don't lose on NBC. Uh, you also might notice a common theme here on Adam Fox producing my favorite yeah, games of the uh, year. Yeah. Uh, but I thought those stood out to me alongside those advantage at five-goal game, obviously. And uh, – and the, the amazing comeback in Montreal, which we're probably not giving enough credit to, uh, partially because I think like the home games are more fun in some ways, even even yeah. considering the Islanders sort of a home game because it was. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a home game. It's, it's a home basically game. a home game. I was fifteen real. minutes away from the Coliseum. It's a home game. Yeah, I, I would say that. I mean, we should we should talk about that Montreal game for a minute. That yeah. was sort of that. I mean, that was nuts. It was. I would I would almost call that a turning point of sorts for the Rangers season. Uh, that was that was. Uh, Unforgettable. You know who no, got that comeback started, Brian? I'm gonna. I honestly don't, but I'm gonna guess Jesper Foss. No, it was your biggest disappointment, Filipino, off a great fee from Panarin. Really interesting. Was. Um. Yeah. Still. Still disappointment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Six five Ranger win. Let's see what that is. This. I'm pulling that up here. Georgiev in goal again for this one. Oof, rough goal against, against Carey Price, one of the most overrated goalies of this decade. 
Uh, yes, Philip Hedl opens the scoring. Pavel Buchnevich, followed by Brendan Lemieux, followed by Artemi Panarin. The game tying goal from Brendan Lemieux, his second, and neither of our disappointments, Jacob Truba, with the game winner. <laughs> you know what was also another good one, actually, that reminds me? That game in Montreal uh, towards the end of oh, the season. Foxy to what, Phil was, to start the contact. Again, Adam, play, of course, Adam Fox. there's a, there there's a theme here. Uh, Adam Fox <laughs> opens the score with a tremendous pass. Phil <laughs> Giuseppe's first as a Ranger. Mika's advantage ad with that little one-timer, quick one-timer on the pass from Panarin. Uh, then Rangers take a 3-2 lead thanks to a goal by Adam Fox. <laughs> and then on the power play, they kind of seal the deal with Ryan Strom. Uh, and then an empty netter from Ryan Strom. That was a tremendous game. It ended up being a 5-2 Rangers win. But that was that at the time seemed like a must-win game, and, and it didn't look like the Rangers were going to win that one for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to be a little unprofessional here, but – just being a Rangers fan, I got to put a little knock on the Islanders when we were talking about, about that game, where Zabanja got the winner. I got to put it out here. That I probably my favorite, my favorite moment of the season during that game, something that, that went in on my head. So when Panarin got that breakaway and there were three Islanders chasing him and he poked that puck away, you know what I was thinking? What? Panarin took a million dollars less to play for the Rangers instead of the fish sticks. I just think about that all the time. And I just don't feel bad for Islanders fans at all that they don't have the superstar that they need and we do. I'm sorry, but I just had to get that off my chest. I had to. Fair. I mean, I'm looking at the, the game log here, the schedule, and that whole end of the season run from Feb- starting February 9th, home against the Kings, Rangers won 4-1. It was a great game. Again, a game that was a lot closer than that. Artemi Panarin sealed the deal. I was actually at that game uh, with the game winning, uh, with the, a goal to give the Rangers a, a two-goal lead with just a few minutes left in that one. Uh, then it was a 4-1 win in Winnipeg, which was another, again, these are games Igor, much more Igor closely contested than the score The score says. Uh, then there was the game, in the win in Minnesota, like you mentioned earlier, with Panarin getting a shootout winner, uh, and you know the Rangers didn't come back that game. There was a 3-1 win in Columbus the next game. Yes. They then lost, lost to Boston, but there was a big 6-3 win in Chicago, if you remember they had that third-period oh eruption. God, me because a bad dad went – Ham in that third period. Oh my yep. goodness! Five-two win in Carolina. A three-two win at home to San Jose. That was a game where Igor Shesterkin uh, played oof, a great game. Kept Evander uh, Kane down the ice on a breakaway. Igor said, "Absolutely not." I think one of his best saves of the season. Absolutely. Uh, there was then that that the next was that four-three overtime win against the Islanders, mm-hmm. and the next game after that was the five-two win against Montreal in Montreal mm-hmm. that we just talked about. So that's quite a stretch of games there. That was, I would say. Maybe the peak, I guess, of the Rangers' season, uh, but I mean, yeah, it was a fun. This team was fun to watch all year. There was a quite a number of games that could that you could you could put up there as your favorite game of the year, and, and there and, were. And honestly, yeah, no and we we have at least six, seven, maybe eight years of us seeing this team and just how fun they are. For sure, of course, the last game, the the, the loss that ends that stretch, the losses, I should say, that end that stretch are the two losses back-to-back in the home-and-home home against Philadelphia that we oh. talked about in the last episode, oh. which was not fun for the Rangers. We were, and, we, we, and we were at that, uh, that Philadelphia game where uh, yeah, Hanks returned to the Garden, returned to play. And possibly his last start at the Garden. Interesting, interesting that he didn't get any mention in the awards. I was curious if, if, if either it. of us were going to go with, go, go with a goalie for any of these things. Uh, even, even, not just necessarily a Hank, but just a goalie. I mean, you know, arguably... Shesterkin, or or I mean, you could argue Shesterkin was a surprise. I guess so, I wouldn't necessarily call him a fraud. He he's been I mean, like the number one number two goalie. He's nah. mm. 
they could you could you could you could make a legitimate argument to give one you know one of those guys a, a nod for one of those things. Maybe. Uh, we'll move on though to the prospects, like like you, you hinted at earlier. There. Excited for this one. Yeah, and this is like my specialty of uh, predicting random prospects. <laughs> uh, I'm not even joking now. Uh, I, I know I know it is. You texted me about this before. I'm aware. Yeah, look at take a look at my previous mock drafts or you know rankings. I should say for Elite Sports <laughs> New York, they're like oddly accurate. Uh, some Rangers prospects. What, uh, any thoughts, just in general, uh, on the previous year? You know, obviously, the Rangers, you know, rebuilding had a lot of draft picks in recent years. They've got a lot of guys in the system, showing a lot of promise. Uh, any guys that are standing out to you, maybe that that took strides this season? What do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the obvious choice here. Uh, it's Nils Lundqvist of Florida HC. Um, he plays under you know Henrik Lundqvist's twin, Joel Lundqvist, the captain of that team. Um, you know, the SHL Rookie of the Year. Um, he is, you know, great to a defenseman offensively. His production is fantastic. In a Q&A, he had, you know, just a couple, uh, I think about a week ago uh, on Rangers Twitter, he said he'd be comfortable playing on the right or left side of the D, which is super important. His and I, just his numbers are just, I mean, they show what he is. The kid, I mean, he is tearing up Sweden. His numbers on the blue line are similar to that of Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman, actually surpassing both of them in seasons following their draft. Fun fact. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Lundqvist is the obvious choice, but is worthy of you know that that nod there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he had a tremendous year. Yeah. I have another I th- guy coming up. I think it's also. It's also, you know, it's important that we acknowledge some some prospects that didn't, you know, take those strides that we were hoping to. Because there was, I mean, again, I'm not going to call it alarming, but there was, you know, two of the Rangers, you know, probably going into the season, the Rangers, two top prospects, didn't take that that jump or really show any progress uh, in in Kandra Miller and Vitaly Kratsov. Uh, Miller, you know, playing at Wisconsin – had it, had a, it just was not nearly as productive as he was in his, well, his well, first if, season. Well, if I could interrupt for a second, Wis- overall, Wisconsin had a very yes. sweaty season. I just want to for put sure. that out there. For sure. The Wisconsin men's hockey team, was, had a, was which is loaded with NHL yeah, talent. Yeah, Cole Caulfield. Uh, you know, Alex, you guys. Uh, Alex Turcott, that? right? Isn't Alex Turcott on this team? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Holloway, I think, who will be a, a top yeah. 20 draft pick this year. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, there were high expectations for that team, but they they did not live up to them. Yeah. Uh, and Kendra Miller, you know, was you know part of that that group yeah. that was that had a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. Numbers were down. He even got suspended, if I recall, for for like yeah you know, for for some, some off ice activities, yeah, or something. Yeah, uh, it was just not a, a good year for him. He's now signed his entry level contract since this this whole quarantine and everything has started. I think it is good for the Rangers and for him to get him into the you know, the, their control and, yeah. and make sure that we don't sort of waste any more time here with his development. And Vitaly Kratsov, similarly, you know, coming off a big season in the KHL, it sort of elevated his his status uh, uh, in his first year after his draft. Uh, was not nearly as good this year. Came to the Rangers, did not make the team out of training camp, but seemed to perform, you know, relatively well during during uh, training camp. And, you know, what didn't make it, but but showed, definitely showed some promise and was in, was in the running, was on the bubble. And then went down to Hartford, and we, we kind of know the rest of the story. He returned to Russia. Then he, you know, got demoted from Tractor Chelyabinsk, his KHL team, to, like, the lower-level leagues there, then came back. and did start to perform a little bit better at the end of the season, but I also don't think he 
he was great at the end of the season either by any means. But, 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 that, but that's a great quality, and, and, you know, in someone as young as him. He struggles, gets down himself, you know, goes back to Russia, and, you know, Jeff Gordon, see, see what's happening, brings him back. And, you know, the, the kid gets, you know, top two iron productions, improves his play. And you know what? To see that resilience in someone, I think that's a great that's, – that's a great – that's something you really need in a player. You know, really skilled, drafted ninth overall. The only other player drafted ninth overall in Raiders history, Brian Leach. I'm not saying he's Brian Leach. Don't get me wrong. But he has a ton of skill there. I mean, in 2017-2018, he won the annual Alexei Cherpanov Award in the KHL for the best rookie. Alexei Cherpanov, obviously a former first-round pick of the Rangers in 2007, I believe, who tragically passed away before coming to North America. Of course. So, um, so Krofstad, yeah, was his season after he signed his ELC maybe not the greatest. No, but the skill is there, and I think you know that that determination is there, and he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be you know probably you know in the third fourth line right winger next year. That's what I think. He may start over Hartford, but I think he may come out of the NHL. It's going to be close, I think. Yeah, I think he's going to be like the Rangers are going to like just sort of take him on the team next year. Maybe not. Maybe he's not even so deserving. They just want to let's just see what he can yeah. do in the NHL level for sure. Yeah. I think yeah, as you were mentioning, like you know. Not the best quality to originally ditch, yeah. uh, ditch Hartford and head back to Russia, but but definitely showed some maturity and wasn't you know stubborn in that he decided that eventually you know things weren't working out there and that he was willing to to come back here and you got to respect that and especially after Igor Shosturkin got the call the call up and he was kind of the only Russian down there uh, and you know I think for him yeah part of it was probably off ice just adjusting to the you know the culture being in, being in, in North America and, you know, playing on a team with, you know, there's no, I don't think there's any Russians in Hartford other than just Durkin for a portion of the year. You, uh, Igor Rykov, Igor Rykov. Yeah. Uh, yes, Igor Rykov, correct. But, uh, but another young guy who also missed a, a big portion of the season, yeah. who's not someone who's used to living here can, you know, show Kratzov the way yeah. or anything. It's not like a veteran like you could have in the NHL. Uh, but I think, yeah, he showed, you know, He's not losing his status as a, as a really talented player, but I, I think it was – I think maybe the hype got a little too much, and I think it's come down to earth a little bit that Kratzov is always sort of an imperfect prospect, and he still is that. He's he, he's he's not – like, he, I wouldn't say that he's 100%. I'm 100% confident that he, he's going to figure it out in the same way that we're talking about a guy like Kapokako uh, or anything like that. I would like to add the three prospects we've talked about were actually were actually drafted all in the first round of the exact same draft: Keandre Miller, Mills Lundqvist, and Vitaly Krasov. That's that true. Cool. Again, that shows how, <laughs> how good a job the Rangers did, you know, getting those draft picks. And I mean, again, they're all high they're all high level players. The the if the Mills Lundqvist pick, you know, hits, then that will be a real home run for Jeff yeah. Gordon. Even would even Keandre Miller would. It, those are both you know picks in the twenties. Which in the NHL, you know, maybe compared differently in other leagues is a little different. Where those are not sure things by any means. Yeah. Uh, um, any other prospects you want to highlight? There's definitely yeah. one or two in my mind. Yes, yeah. there's one more I want to talk about. The captain Jack Jones. of no, no, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> no, the captain of the Cornell hockey team, Morgan Barrett. All right. Yeah. Good. Drafted. Good call. Drafted sixth. Drafted in the sixth round, 2017. Had a decent campaign in the 2000. In the 2018-2019 season, but this year, boom, he exploded. You know, 
top 15 or a top 20, I believe, in points per game for among, among uh, NCAA uh, forwards. Uh, 32 points in 29 games. Captain, you know, a constantly a team hovering around top five of the nation. Would have had a real chance at winning the Frozen Four. Um, you know, he had 14 goals on the season. And, you know, just in just uh, 29 games, that's a tremendous um, that's a tremendous feat for anyone to accomplish, um, especially in college hockey. He does, if I'm right, Brian, can you confirm this? I believe that he does have to sign his ELC this year. Am I right? I believe he may have to sign his is ELC he, this is year. Is he a senior? Uh, um, one second, give me a – I believe he is a junior. I believe he is a junior. Well, so I, mean, I believe it depends where he's drafted. We might need to check on that. I yeah, think I that, on that. But I, I, what I know is that he has to he, sign – He'll be and, a Ranger sooner rather than I, later. Yeah. And, and also, I, I, what's what I also think is really important for him is is you know the Rangers need some you know some good big two way you know centers on that roster because you know Leah Anderson and Brett Howden don't really you know fill that role and I think Morgan Barron not saying he will but I think his stealing his highest potential is to fill that role. Yeah, uh, I think Barron's good. That's a good shout. Uh, I think. It's a great shout. He, uh, I think, yeah, he, he's a guy that's definitely shown some promise. Kind of come out of nowhere, six round pick. I don't know if you mentioned. Uh, and I think again, I'm not gonna say like he 100. I'm 100 percent sure that he he'll be a Ranger this coming season, but I'd be sort of surprised if he isn't. Uh, it seems more than likely uh, that that he'll be with the Blue Shirts come 2020, 2021. Uh, um, other than that, yeah, Zach Jones. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's a guy that made a lot of strides. Uh, and, and I mean, anyone else come to mind for you? Um, see, sorry, I, I just want to also add, you know, we, we didn't mention that also at this point of year was guy you didn't, you know, briefly mention Yugo Rykov in Hartford. Yeah. Al- also failed to live up to expectations. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can kind of, I don't think it's quite right to include Leah Sanderson in the, in the prospects category anymore, but um uh, I mean, obviously, we know what happened there. And yeah. Libor Hayek, as you mentioned earlier, again, probably not quite a prospect anymore, but another disappointing season there. So overall, you had guys like Barron uh, and and Zach Jones who who took major strides and, and you know, improved their future outlook. But you also had guys, uh, I mean, probably maybe a little more worrisome. Some of the top, the top dogs when it comes to the Rangers prospect pool. In, in Miller, in Rakov. Rykov, Rykov, I'm not sure exactly how you say it. I'm going to call him Rykov. In Rykov, in, uh, in Kratzov, and in – who else did we say? Someone else. Uh, Morgan Barron. Oh, no, no. Someone else was disappointed. No, never mind. Uh, no one else is disappointed. You had, you had long – basically, you had, you had guys going – you had three guys going in each direction. You had, you had Barron. You had Lundqvist. You had uh, – Lundqvist. I can't even remember your guys' names anymore. You had Jones going in the right direction. You did have Zach Jones. Zach Jones had an incredible world juniors, uh, long play with Country Miller, by the way. Yes, and then you had guys like Miller, Miller Kratzov, and Rikov going in the wrong direction. So it was yeah. sort of an up-and-down year, I'd say, for Rangers prospects. Also, some other guys, you know, maybe that's sort of mentioned, Tyler Wall, who we, we briefly talked about in the last episode. If I can add the last prospect, I know you're going to get mad at me because this guy probably still has a couple years until he comes to the NHL, but I think we have to mention – the other Swedish center, who also played, he's also a teammate of Nils Lundqvist right now. I thought oh, you were going to go elsewhere with this one. 
I thought you were going Laurie Pajuniemi. Oh, Larry. You say his name. Interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to him too, actually, because Brian thinks I have a fascination with this guy. But I want to talk about Carl Hendrickson first. Yeah. Really small, really undersized. But we took him 58th overall, a very risky pick. But I think it's a high-risk, high-reward pick because he played – because he played for the Super Elite League, which is definitely, you know, for the, it's not the SHL, but it's for, like, you know, the younger kids that need to develop. And he, he was averaging almost a little a point and a half a game at 35 assists. He's a real playmaker. He put up, you know, he put up uh, three, uh, three points in seven games in the World Junior Championships. He's still very, very young, undersized, but I think he is a guy that will eventually, you know, turn into possibly, I think he's going to be – a while before he signs ELC, and we're probably not going to hear his name for another few years. I just wanted to get him in there because I think he has very skilled. And 30 seconds, Larry, Larry Pagliuniemi. Great goal scorer, finish. I don't know if he, he may be terrible in the NHL, but I love the guy. He, all he does is score, score, score. Brian is going to want me to shut up now. So, Brian, let's go to the next topic. Yeah, I mean, both – you know, worthy of mentions for sure. Obviously, qu- not quite on that same tier of prospect yeah. initially yeah, as, yeah, as some of the other guys. That yeah. next tier, that n- yeah. not bottom tier, but just that that sort of next tier. Not yeah. not quite the same hype or you know status uh, upon being drafted as as you have, you have to mention them because it's not fair for to sure. mention guys that have. Sure. Maybe not, they're not quite you know even even the other guys we mentioned like like Hayek, like Anderson. You know, like wow. they're not quite that that level. Even though those guys haven't worked out so far, let's hope that these guys do work out. Move on to our kind of final topic of the day. Uh, so, you know, we, we, our whole first episode was about uh, trying to reopen the NHL and, and you yeah. know, get things going, as is sort of the big cut question in our country now. But, you know, there's some, some news as we finished about Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being willing to, to host sporting events and getting those, thing, those up and running. And just more, you know, news by the day, it seems like, from the NHL. Uh, so, you know, there was Pierre Lebrun's uh, article, wrote an article for The Athletic uh, about, you know, the league's foresight plan. And they're, you know, they're in the process, I guess, of, of trying to establish four places. Uh, he says his understanding is that Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver, Toronto, Minnesota are among places that are still under strong consideration. Uh, I'm going to just keep looking through this quickly. Uh but yeah, the eventually there would be an eventual NHLPA vote. But there's there's more promise uh, than there was. What do you have to add? Yeah. And then I also want to add, as I think you said Vancouver was a possible site, right? Is that what you yes. mentioned? Yeah. And I also just wanted to add that uh, if they ended up playing games uh, in Canada, that would also extend a two to three week delay because the Prime Minister Trudeau has also mentioned that they that all hockey players would need to quarantine for at least fourteen days. That's just an, right. an add-on thought. Just wanted to put out there. And right. um, I think. Yeah, and then, you know, on the last episode, me and Paget or Brian, sorry, we had a consensus that we don't want the NHL um, to resume. We don't think financially it will work out and fairness to win the Cup. And Commissioner Bettman said that he's not even thinking about, you know, canceling the season. Although there have even been some players that said, you know, like Drew Doughty, for instance, you know, thinks that we shouldn't award a Cup. Brian, even with Commissioner Bettman saying it's not even a, not even a thought to cancel the season, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, again, and not much has changed since the other day, but it's still an interesting dilemma. I think this this article here seemed like, I was saying, maybe it's not necessarily Vancouver, but they want to they want to use this, like, four-city plan. Uh, maybe, again, maybe it doesn't include Vancouver for the sake of, of trying to speed things up because you have uh, – actually, I guess that's not necessarily – I mean, 
There's eight or nine teams still in the mix. Some of them include Edmonton, Vancouver, and Toronto, obviously all in Canada. So, you know, maybe there will be a Canadian city involved in this. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just still seems logistically really, really difficult to, to find a way to, to get things up and running again. It's uh, again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that I don't think it will happen. I just can't see it, it happening and, and working out. I should say, I, I don't, I don't see a way where this plays out and it's like, wow, what a, you know, thank God the NHL reopened. What a tremendous playoffs and everything worked out great. It's, not, it's just not going to be the same. The it's intensity, just, yeah. no and fans. Obviously you're, you're just, you're just also setting yourselves up in a position where, where next season is going to be altered in, in some way yeah, just, because, yeah. because, you know, maybe you're starting it late. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, whatever you just, it just doesn't for me again, as I said, the whole episode last time, it makes sense from the least perspective uh, as to, you know, wanting to, to, to make some semblance of a playoff uh, happen you know, to, in order to, to make some, it's money, money, Brian, it's money, it's money. Yeah. It's, but it, but I mean, I just, don't see how it it works out and is like a true success for for I mean they'll make their money and and that'll be enough for them but I mean I don't I think players well, there will be plenty of players that aren't interested. There's definitely been more talk about that. I was also reading yeah, somewhere else. I think there's more talk about that 2014 format like we yeah. kind of discussed, which would have the Rangers in it, by the way. Yes, and and it seems trending toward that direction where there's still things to figure out within that 2014 format in terms of like the sort of play in matches and there's definitely going to be some teams opposed to it. And I mean, rightfully so, but it seems that that is probably the most, that that's the most likely outcome seems like at this point, rather than, than going on something based on like just taking the top 16 based on points percentage or something yeah. like that. Uh, I think that, that uh, the 2014, if I, if you had to make a guess now, if then NHL to return, what the format would be, it would, it would have to be that. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Um, I'm going to stick with my same opinion that we had on our first podcast. I, I mean, the, the, it, the season should be canceled. You're not going to have the intensity, the fresh legs. If you try to do a playoff, I, it's, it's, yeah, I want to see hockey, but it's, it's not going to be the same. And I, and I want to see full playoff, good hockey. And I want a team that's deserving of the cup to win the cup. And I don't know if that's going to happen if you try to do a playoffs right now. And you know what? Financially, maybe a burden if they don't continue the season, but I think it's best for everyone involved, besides from you know the league, to not have a playoff. Correct, and it's the type of thing where, you know, I, I think I saw this somewhere. I forget exactly where it was. Like, you know, if your team wins the cup, you're going to be like, you know, it's it's great. It still counts. Yeah, if any other like, team, yeah. if you're if you're like if you're the the Washington Capitals, they're Boston Bruins. And, and you win the cup, you're like, you know what? And even as the league as a whole, you're looking at it like, you know what? The Bruins, you know, maybe the best team in the league, whatever. They're, they're deserving. It can kind of, you know, come out of this thinking the Bruins won the cup. Maybe they would have anyway, or, or the league still like looks okay. <laughs> but like, I'm saying you end up in a situation where the Rangers make a miracle run to the Stanley Cup final. Not that I expect that to happen. And all of a sudden, it's like the Rangers have won the Stanley <laughs> Cup. And it's like, what? Like, it just doesn't look right. It's not, it shouldn't happen. The Rangers, Again, who knows Thurge would have made the playoffs in the typical season. We already discussed that too. Both of us leaned on the side that they probably won. It would be crazy to have a team like the Rangers or one of these bubble teams go on a miraculous run in this weird format with this, you know, all these new variables now and see them win a cup. It would just it would pretty much erase all value of, of from the season. Any mean it wouldn't have any meaning. Whereas, you know, you can get away with it if again one of these top teams 
pulls it out, then it looks, you know, okay, whatever. It's not that big a deal. It, nothing is, you know, different maybe than it would have been. But but the, the fear, and it is a legitimate fear, is that one of these teams goes on a crazy run and all of a sudden you've got a, a team that does not deserve to win the Stanley Cup. It could really – the Irish wants to get the starter, but it could severely backfire in, a, yeah. in an instant. And, like, so the heat they're going to get, oh. It's if, a risk, but it, it seems like it's one they're going to take. Uh, I hope not. I really hope not. Yeah, I I agree. I think that I, I from you know my own Rangers fan perspective, I'd rather see them wait till next year. Yeah, me too. I think that's that's all for today's episode, though. I, that's all, yeah, I think we covered all the points, the important yeah. points, reflecting on the seasons, who we think should win the awards, who we think was most deserving of them, and just the overall successes and what is stored for the, for the future of the Rangers and the NHL. Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. A successful season for the Rangers. Hope you learned how big an Adam uh, an Adam Fox fan I am, <laughs> and all of our thoughts on the on the unfinished, you know, maybe eventually finished 2019-2020 season. Hope you guys have enjoyed the second episode of the Ranting Rangers podcast presented by Elite Sports New York. Hope to see you guys next time. That everyone's staying safe. We'll see you soon. Peace out. <laughs>